Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How's it going, pal? Any crack? Story, kid. I'd murder about pens. Ah, lads, I'm in a bleeding bojangle. Ah, Jesus. Are you messing? Get up out of that. Don't be acting the maggot. He's some dust. He's bleeding massive. He's some shaber. Ah, yeah. Did you know? Hello everyone, how are you getting on? What is the crack with you all? This is Nicola Bargain here and this is another episode of Tis Yourself and tis delightful to have you here with me today. Woo! So, so happy. Um, I hope you're all having a great January, as much of a great January as one can have considering. Although maybe if you lived in Australia like my guest today, things are a little bit easier because it's quite, quite sunny there as opposed to here in Ireland where it is freezing and raining. So, uh, yeah, they have a little bit luckier over there at this time of year. But he does bring the sunshine, my lovely guest today. So before I get chatting about him, the show that we all know him from is iconic at this stage. The whole connection with Ireland and the UK and the Aussie soaps is just gas to me. I think we just live in, like I explained in the episode, I think I get, I totally get the home and away thing in one way because as Irish and UK people, it's not like we get to run down the beach every day, you know, in our bikinis and go for a surf every morning. You can probably do the surfing, but it's, it's not going to be in a bikini. It's going to be in a wetsuit and you are going to be freezing, but glorious, but freezing. Um, so watching these really attractive people running down the beach every day, it's kind of like, I suppose, a modern day Baywatch in a little way. So I suppose they're, and, I, and the connection to school is probably another thing. You know, we all watch at lunchtime if you came home from school or after school, much like the other soap. So home away, glamour, beach. So we were watching it for that. And I think we watch Neighbours for community and Erinsborough and trying to see will Paul ever get you know ever get his comeuppance I don't know who will Dr Carl Kenty have an affair with next will Susan leave him will Billy ever come back all these things that we have you know Donna who was played by Margot Robbie that's the whole thing as well with Neighbours so many famous people came from the show and we saw that in the what we thought were the last episodes of Neighbours when Kylie Minogue came back Jason Donovan Guy Pearce Margot Robbie uh, Jesse Spencer so many people appeared back to pay tribute to bring back their character one last time because after all these years three decades Neighbours was going off the air and then the news came months later Neighbours is coming back yes it's coming back it's going to be on Amazon uh, Freebie and I'm not, like we're, we're not really sure I don't like they haven't filmed the episodes yet so we're not really sure how it'll work over here will we get it on Amazon Freebie as well or will we be getting an RT I don't know We'll I suppose we'll find it out closer to the time but we're just happy it's coming back with Toadie Toadie and all the gang my personal love Mark Brennan he is stunningly beautiful I can only assume he's coming back because 
he'd be beautiful Paul Robinson obviously be there Trey's um, David look there's lots of them there you know what I mean uh, I, can, I can list them all there but the main man the main man is coming back that is Alan Fletcher aka the legend the one and only Dr. Carl Kennedy him and Jackie Woodburn are coming back as Dr. Carl and Susan Kennedy and I'm so excited and I got a chance to chat to him a couple of weeks ago all about his life as Dr. Carl how did he even get the job what does he feel like to do that for 28 years and then of course what was it like when it looked like it was all coming to an end and then and then of course when they got the news that hey I know you said goodbye to everyone and you're probably trying to live on your own life well Dr. Carl is coming back so yeah it's really it was really cool to talk to him all the way over in Australia um, obviously I was in Ireland in the freezing cold and he's in us um, and we chat all about that we chatted about his music uh, why he's coming to the UK why he's coming to Dublin and why pubs in Dublin need to give me a shout so I can set up a gig with Dr. Carl and them with Alan playing the tunes in Dublin he's dying for this guy so if you know someone who wants Alan Fletcher singing songs in their bar you contact me on Instagram here is why he wants to come over and here is Alan Fletcher talking all about his life career and I suppose everything connected to Dr. Carl Kennedy. Nicola. Alan, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Just oh, you there, there I is, yes. The legend, the man himself. Everybody everybody knows Alan Fletcher. Everybody knows Dr. Carl Kennedy. Like everybody around the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's very kind. <laughs> you must be well used to Irish people coming up to you in Melbourne. Oh, yes. I mean, obviously, Australia, of course, has, has a huge Irish population, as you well know. And, and, and just historically, Ireland is a massive part of this country. And, uh, yes, yeah, so and, and I have to say, actually, here, St. Patrick's Day in Melbourne is, is probably one of the better St. Patrick's Days you'll go to. Um, it's, always, it's always a ripper, and I make sure I get out amongst it because it's such fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have a lot of uh, contact with Irish fans. Um, and, of course, it's very interesting, too, because, you know, with, with Northern Ireland being part of uh, the UK it's got a very different feel but I've actually, I've not been to Dublin in my life and I was supposed to go with Jackie Woodburn in 2020 and we didn't get there so this time around I have booked to fly into Dublin uh, in early February or late February just before we start the Big Neighbours tour but to finally, finally get a chance to be uh, to be in, uh, in, in the air. I, I'm guessing now you're going to be mobbed, you're going to be people are walking down the street going is that it can't be it is well, oh my god well it will be interesting because my appearance changed quite dramatically when I lost all my hair right, with the alopecia which I'm now actually getting some back because of mm. drugs but um, and treatments but uh, my appearance changed so much and uh, my last two trips to the UK I did find that I was walking around with pretty much anonymous oh. um, yes it was quite intriguing I mean obviously I was wearing a mask everywhere I went as well so it's a it's an interesting disguise. Um, who knows what the world will be like in February, but I, I'm loving being back traveling again. I know that. Yeah, definitely. And especially you guys in Australia had such a strict lockdown. Like we, we had it strict here, but you guys were insanely yeah. strict. 
particularly in Melbourne, was uh, I think over 280 days of lockdown, and, and it was spectacular, really. And uh, um, I didn't mind it; gave me a chance to write songs and so forth. I didn't mind it too much, but uh, for a lot of younger people, a lot of students, a lot of uh, single parents, and just people who you know, really, really struggled. Um, and I think we'll be feeling the fall the fallout from that for a very long time in terms of uh, academic achievement for kids and socialisation and a lot of social problems. So, yeah, uh, this pandemic is going to, you know, it'll have reverberations for quite a while. Yeah, but you you put it to your benefit and, you know, you did the music and stuff. And it's, uh, I suppose, going back to, like, when you started, you are a musician and an actor. So, like, which was it when you were kind of growing up? Did you, were you veering more towards... Well, when I was growing up, I actually was uh, an actor who was told to not sing in the school musical um, because I, I was so tuneless. And in fact, I, I only didn't, I really didn't start singing until I was doing musicals in, in my hometown of Perth. And uh, I didn't actually move into music uh, properly until 2014, uh, 2004, I should say, when I formed the band Waiting Room and we started to tour the UK and I became kind of a rock and roll artist. Uh, uh, late in life and love that but my passion's always been country music so it's actually from 2019 where I started to form some connections in the country music industry here in Australia that I've been able to record and write and, and so forth and release music under a uh, Americana banner. That's amazing. I love the idea that people can later in life still go back to the thing that they always loved that they just, you know, maybe whatever in their teenage or their 20s didn't have the money or they needed to get a steady job, whatever it was. And then they can go, hold on, I'm going to give this a go. Sure. Well, that's the old adage, isn't it, Nicola? You're saying, you know, it's not a job if you're doing something you love. And um, so the more things you can do you love, the the, the, the only thing, you know, for me, the jobs are actually going out and weeding the garden and the rest of it's <laughs> was pleasure. <laughs> what was it when you were growing up in Perth and you were telling people you wanted to be an actor? Because Perth's a very small city. Like, were people kind of like rolling their eyes here or were they encouraging? What kind of reaction were you getting to that? Well, I started acting, well, besides doing a lot of performance at school and I had some fantastic inspirational uh, drama teachers and, and English teachers, but when I went to university, there was a university dramatic society that was very, very established and by the year two, myself and a friend were running it and we used to do massive productions, uh, pro-am productions um, with other you know, professional theatre companies and professional directors, so it was quite an established thing uh, and the university support it very strongly and my father had always been told by his uh, by my drama teachers that if I showed an interest in acting he he was encouraged to not dissuade me so even though being a scientist he, his natural inclination would be to say you know just finish uni and, and get a real job he he was happy just to let me get along and I was just I was very fortunate in Perth because I served an apprenticeship in the theatre so I did 21 plays in the three years I was there back to back and worked with some marvellous people from the UK, you know, people like Warren Mitchell and Honor Blackman and Tim Brooke Taylor and so forth. So it was a fantastic work environment in Perth and I learned a lot. Um, 
And it was kind of like, that was kind of my schooling in mm. theatre, in, in acting. Um, I did get into the, the National Institute of Dramatic Art, which is Australia's, was Australia's most prestigious acting school, but I turned it down to do television. And I guess I've just been a jobbing actor all my life and touch wood, I've been able to do quite a bit of it. What was your first then TV job? What, like, because I imagine the theatre, you learn very different skills and then you go on to telly and you're like... Yeah, I did have a minor role in a, in a Perth, a theatre show called Falcon Island playing Alan the Fisherman but um, probably my first <laughs> my first <laughs> substantial television role would have been the show uh, Cop Shop which was a police drama in Australia quite successful and I did 18 months on that so that was in the 80s early 80s and um, yes listeners there was an early 80s um, uh, and uh, yeah I, I, that's where I established myself in quite a bit of TV mm. um, but I, I always kept going back to the stage right through into the 90s when uh, when I did a big, big TV show for uh, Grundy Television at the time called Embassy, and they, of course, also produced Neighbours. So when I finished Embassy, they invited me to audition to, for Neighbours, and I stayed there for just allegedly 28 years. I can't, like, it's mental to think that. Like, you go in for that audition, and you're thinking, I might have this job for a few weeks or a year. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was hopeful for a year's contract. My wife was... Um, my, was pregnant with our first child, Veronica, and I thought, gee, if I could get a year's work, that would be a real bonus. Um, and then it became two, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. You know, it was really very helpful. Um, that two became four, and at four, Jackie Woodburn, who played Susan, and I just said to each other, you know what? Most families seem to last about four years. So we figured we'd probably get our marching order. Our children left at around that time, and we just expected that we'd be wound up. But it just didn't work out that way. The audiences took to us and somehow, magically, we just you know, kept getting invited back. And Carl had many controversial storylines that kept him <laughs> <laughs> on the screens all the time. <laughs> There were there were plenty of them, and I think a lot of that's got to do with our longevity because the audience, I think the audience have always enjoyed the Kennedys because they're quite they're quite flawed people, and um, uh, they, I mean they're lovable, they're very very caring people, they, they yeah, particularly for their children and their friends, but they're terribly flawed, and particularly Carl Kennedy, who is an impulsive creature who who makes terrible uh, you know, um, judgment calls, and um, and Susan has to you know they're all suffering. Susan has to kind of deal with that. Uh, although she's made some, she's done some fairly, you know, some interesting things herself. Yeah. I have to say. <laughs> what? Like, there's so many storylines that, like, you just think off the top of your head and you think of Carl. But, like, is there one of them that you were like, when they came to you and said, this is the plan for Carl, you were like, what? <laughs> Yeah, there was one story. I, I just couldn't get my head around it because I, I'm of the opinion that uh, your character can do virtually anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, in real life, people act in bizarre ways and, and there's no reason why our characters wouldn't as well. So I thought, yeah, I, and I have actually pretty much done anything they gave me. I've always done anything they gave me. But at one stage when I wasn't practicing medicine, they said that Carl would be a pharmaceutical sales representative and the company he was selling for, he kind of got wind that they were selling out of date drugs to third to the third world and and he kind of became a bit of a, a farmer spy you know uh, and I kind of we were shooting all these scenes and I'm going gee you know what this doesn't feel very this doesn't feel very Ramsey Street to me um 
I mean, we pulled it off, I guess, and and so forth. But you're always going to get sometimes get stories like that. And uh, yeah, the show is the show is um, it's organic. It, mm. it evolves over time. You know, the, you get an executive producer will come in and try something new, and and the audiences won't respond to it. And so you know, there's a bit of a swing back the other way. Mm. Um, it, it, I don't think the audiences necessarily realise just how much power they have over the direction of the show, and arguably they've had an enormous amount of power to make sure that Neighbours comes back. Yeah, it's incredible how quick as well Neighbours came back. Like, you know, you guys had organised this farewell tour and everything like that in the UK, and then it's like, oh, by the way, actually, <laughs> actually we're coming back. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does seem quick, but there's a long time between drinks. I mean, obviously, we knew that Neighbours was ending a long... Uh, yeah, well, they knew Neighbours was ending well before it actually did, yeah. and we're really not going to be back again for another year. So it's actually, tel- you know, fin- fin- financing television is an incredibly complicated business and uh, that I know nothing about. I'm going to be completely frank. Um, so it, does, it didn't surprise me. I mean, our executive producer did always say, that uh, that neighbours was being, in their words, rested, mm. and you know there was the hope that it could be revived. Um, but you know, I don't think there was any hope. Certainly, when I was you know, finishing up, I didn't. There was no suggestion at all. There was any hope. Was it a shock to you when they said that they were, you know, resting it, or you know, that it was coming to an end? You've been, as you said, twenty eight years. It's your job. It's like you know, like anyone who works in a bank, you go in there every day, and then they're saying. Carl is hanging up a stethoscope, you know, it's not going to be there anymore. Well, the one really fortunate thing about working on Neighbours is it gave me the opportunity to do many other things at the same time because really I was only kind of working on Neighbours about 36 years of the weeks of the year. So I had large slabs of time where I could go and do other things. So I was that kind of prepares you in a way because you go, oh, well, okay, if I'm not doing Neighbours, then I'll just do a little bit more of that other thing I was doing or uh, I'll, I'll try something new or, you know, spectacularly after 28 years of working, I might have a rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might have a lie down. <laughs> so um, I was I was, I was, all, I, I was always prepared. I mean, in, in this industry, you're a rooster one day and a feather duster the next, and you just have mentally, you're always prepared for something ending. Um, you know, the show Cop Shop ended. I was on that when they announced it was ending. Um, Embassy, they did three seasons, and they said we're not doing any more seasons. You're just used to it, and... The fact that Neighbours lasted so long is just the ultimate bonus. Yeah. I just, I, I think, you know, we get a little bit of a shock. It's like, wait, I don't have to get up. My alarm's not going to go off Monday morning at well, 8 a.m. <laughs> that actually has made a big difference because it meant that, um, you know, I've, I've sort of gone through, since I finished on Neighbours, I'm sort of doing a, a bit of a kind of a health you know, health thing. And uh, the biggest, they do say one of the biggest things for your health is sleep. And interestingly now, I, you know, because I, I measure my sleep and I'm suddenly going, my God, I'm, I'm actually sleeping seven and a half, eight hours a night and waking up feeling super refreshed at seven o'clock in the morning and getting on with things, you know. And so that exhaustion that you can get working on a TV show week in, week out isn't there at the moment. But I'll, I'll just have to get myself match fit to do it all over again over again <laughs> yeah you're like I've just stopped and I got my body ready and now I'm going to be like bam it's ready to go again 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I, I won't have any problems. I mean, it's um, uh, the great thing about a show like Neighbours is you're, you're not there five days a week from, you know, six in the morning till six at night. It's The hours vary. And there are little breaks in the day. You can get out and have a walk and um, and so forth. So um, And you can have a bit of a rest. You know, there are times to have a rest. So uh, it's, it's pretty easy to pace yourself. They did give it a great send-off, though, when, when we thought that Neighbours was ending. You know, the send-off was incredible. Like, I was watching all the last episodes, and it was just like, oh, my God, I forgot that person and that person. And it yeah. was, every two seconds, it was another really famous person coming back and or famous character. Yeah. It was incredible. No question. Our executive producer, Jason Herbison, has been connected with Neighbours since the start. He was actually a writer way back at the beginning. And then, then as a television journalist, he wrote about Neighbours. When he came in as back as as executive producer a long time ago now, he, he basically brought Neighbours into what I consider it to be its kind of best period in the last 12, 15 years, really. And... He honoured the returning characters. He honoured the characters of the past. He, I think he knew in his heart of hearts there were so many people who have watched the show from early early days and honouring them and their commitment to the show is important. And so he did have a lot of characters come back. Um, but to, just nice little touches. Uh, 37 actors were on Ramsey Street in the final scene, uh, for one for every year the show had been on air. Um, and also he was on the street as well behind the ice cream van if you're ever watching that episode again um the brilliance of the writing, Jason's writing, I and mean, to have Susan Kennedy did deliver the monologue at the end. Um, particularly, a great favourite of mine was that she basically talked about everyone being a part of Ramsey Street, even those people who had watched us from afar. And that was, of course, a reference to the audience, which is beautiful, I thought. Yeah. But my, my favourite thing in the last episode was the return of uh, Mike Young, Guy Pearce, um, because a lot of characters came back and did little cameos and that was really gorgeous of them to do it and they're, you know, they're big stars and they don't have to do it but Guy committed to coming back and doing three episodes and doing a proper closing story with Annie Jones um, that was absolutely divine uh, yeah, I just thought it was beautiful and uh, uh, particularly here the scene where he tells her he's going to buy the house and you know maybe they can just gently feel their way back and see how they go for a relationship it's just so beautiful I loved it oh it was lovely just to see yeah to give not just a like I'm here for five seconds it was like you know even different characters coming in and sitting down and talking to Toadie or going it yeah. like to actually commit to you know it might be only on screen three minutes or whatever in total but like to actually go back to your character and not just be like hi and then bye you know like kind of mean they could like a lot oh, of people yeah. could have turned that down Oh, of course. Um, a guy did say to me, actually, that he, he conferred with a lot of the returning people and they all agreed that they wanted to do it just to say thank you to the show that had given them so much. And mm-hmm. I think that's pretty typical of the uh, their, their integrity to not to not sort of just cast neighbours aside but actually do, you know, and many of them, like Kylie and Jason, Jason had, you know, he, he's often visited us um, and Kylie's often referred to her, her affection for neighbours and what it did for her and for her to come back with Jason at the end was spectacular I thought yeah and like you know the likes of of course your own you know Carl's kids Jess Spence obviously doing amazing America and stuff like that so to like also get that as well you're like get those people back who meant a lot to you 
I know. Yeah, I've got a confession to make too. When we were watching the very last scene in the Kennedy House where the video was playing mm. and Jesse Spencer came on the screen and he had a beard with a picture of the Sydney Harbour Bridge behind him and I looked at her and I thought, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> and I went... Oh, oh, that's Billy. <laughs> so, um, you know. You're forgetting your old kids. <laughs> well, the, the beard threw me, I have to say. And he, he was just so grown up, you know. I was just a Billy being a kid. Yeah, yeah oh, no, that's so good. Like, it was it was an amazing send-off. And he must have had a really bit, like, of going, like, what do I do now? Because, obviously, it's only, it's months and months later we found out it was coming back. So, I suppose, were you, like, immediately going, I'm going to do music? Or were you kind of like, I don't know what I'll do? Oh, well, no, I was in a different, slightly different position from everybody because I had, in 2020, I created a Dr. Carl show called The Doctor Will See You Now. Mm. And it was a show about my life and times on Neighbours. It lasted, it's a two-hour stage show. My wife interviews me. We show endless clips and we sing songs. And, yeah, it was a proper stage show. And I did it in Melbourne in 2020. He was going to fly over and do a tour in April 2020 in the UK, cancelled for obvious reasons. We moved it to September 2020, cancelled again. September 2021, cancelled again. So eventually I was about to take off to go and do my tour in the UK, which I did do in September 2022. It was fantastic. Um, And, you know, we played full houses all over the country. But the poignant and sad thing was all these beautiful people were turning up to see the show and then all they wanted to talk about was this their grief that Neighbours had finished and their disbelief and their frustration and dis- mm. disappointment. So, you know, I, I spent the entire four weeks in the UK basically consoling people um, <laughs> and uh, it's extraordinary because now when they announced that Neighbours will return, my first thought was, apart from, apart from the 200 jobs that are likely to come back with it, my first thought was, oh, my God, every person I saw, every person who's emailed me, every person who's posted on Twitter and all that grief can flip. They can actually go, oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and the joy has been incredible. So, yeah, it's that's life. It's it's ups and downs. And, the, and right now the ups are spectacular. Yeah, I imagine when you got that call to say it was coming back, you were like, is this a prank? What is happening here? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, mercifully, uh, it wasn't a call because my uh, the executive producer, Jason Herbison, uh, he set himself the task of inviting Jackie Woodburn, myself, Stephen Dennis and Ryan Maloney to come back to the show before they announced it was returning. Mm. And he actually, uh, he, called it, he called it the amazing race because he had to drive to all of our houses uh, and we're quite distant from each other. On the one day, he mercifully got us all at home until it's face-to-face. And I, I joked uh, in an interview that well, it's not a joke, really. When he told me, it was such a shock that, and, and and actors are kind of trained to do this, right? It was such a shock that half my brain went, "Remember this look. <laughs> remember, how, well, remember how you're feeling now, because you you can use this one day." I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've had a shock quite like it. Because it was the least expected thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can often prepare yourself mentally for all possibilities, and I had no concept of it at all. So, uh, yeah, uh, an incredible moment. It was incredible for <coughs> – obviously, we've got fans in Australia and around the world, but for the UK and Ireland, 
it's really weird we love Australian soaps and you can see in one way with Home and Away we love it because it's on the beach and it's very different to our lifestyle over here you know it's yeah. you know constant sunshine and the beach and all that kind of stuff um, and then Neighbours isn't like that it's very it, it's community it's not like um, you know girls in bikinis or anything like that and guys in shorts it's community it's small it, in, in a way it could be a soap in any part of the world because it's not like you know on a beach or everything like that and yeah it's so huge here so like the impact that it had for all those years Irish and the UK like were addicted to it like if you ask an Irish person or I'm assuming the UK is the same our lunch times at school or after school were ruled by neighbours followed by home and away it's just part of the schedule for if you stayed home from school one twenty-five was home and away 2 o'clock was neighbours and then after school half 5 neighbours 6 o'clock home and away it's just so weird it's part of our life yeah, and I think it, it, there's, a bit, there's a good deal of luck involved with that, but I also think that the just the nature of of uh, in, particularly in the UK, I can't speak a lot to Ireland, but in the UK, a lot of the UK soaps were quite doer, um, you know, and they were evening shows. They were shown as, as proper evening dramas, and so they were high drama, you know, there were, there were killings and all sorts of unpleasant unpleasantness going on. Neighbours being a daytime show, and Home and Away, of course, it was operating as a daytime show, and we were operating with a G rating here in Australia for a very, very long time. So they were, it was really quite mild. Um, I think that people just loved it because it didn't take itself too seriously. There was a good deal of humour in it. Um, I mean, as you, as you would say, you know, we we, we, we had a bit of, we were having a crack. You know, it was um, it was fantastic. You know, there was a lot of fun, a lot of mucking about. Um, and when the stories got serious. Um, um, they they generally always manage to work themselves out, and um, the biggest thing I think for any show is do, do you feel connected to the characters? Do you believe in the characters? And I think I think Neighbours has done a pretty good job, as has Home and Away. I have to say they're about to celebrate their thirty fifth anniversary. All hail to them! I think they've done a pretty good job. At, the writers and the creators have done a good job of creating good characters. I loved one. Well, I lived in Australia for a while and <clears throat> I live in Sydney and in Melbourne and there's a soap over in Ireland called Fair City and Irish people will claim they don't watch it even though, you know, it's got the biggest viewings of the week and they know all, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you mention it, they're like, oh, don't watch it, but they'll know a storyline and I found the Australians were the exact same about Neighbours. Like, exactly. It's exactly so funny. Oh, oh, look, people, people would be seeing this. When I was in the early days in Neighbours, people would say to me, and what do you do with yourself? And I go, oh, I'm an actor. Oh, yeah? yeah what, where, where do you act? I went, uh, I'm on a show called Neighbours. Neighbours, oh, yeah, I don't watch that. Oh, are you the bloke who had the affair with a girl? And, you know, and then they go off and rattle off, you know, for half an hour about storylines I want to talk about. And you go, oh, come on. <laughs> We've never seen it. Or they do, guys especially. Oh, my, my girlfriend watches it or my wife yeah, watches yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, on in, it's on while I'm having my tea, you know. <laughs> Except for you can quote characters, storylines, plots yeah. from four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it, it is the sort of show that permeates into, into households. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things I used to love so much about Neighbours, which I, it's reinforced to me when I'm, when I'm, a lot of people you know, email me and say, oh, could you, could you do a video message for my aunt who loves Neighbours and blah, blah, blah. So, and the one thing people say is it was their connection with their, <clears throat> with their say their grandmother or their mother or uh, so maybe something might be someone who's passed, someone who's still with them, but 
they would watch it as a family. It was a bonding experience. And I think that's where a lot of the great memories come from. It's like um, it's like the way a song, you know, you hear a song and it yeah. takes you back to your days at uni. The neighbours, the neighbours theme song takes people back to a lovely time in their life when they were a close family. Oh, there was a, I don't know if you saw, I remember Stefan uh, replied to it, but during lockdown there was a town up the north of Ireland where they it was during lockdown and I think it was the very first one and they all went to their doors and sang the neighbours theme song and it was all about looking after yourself it was so lovely it was beautiful, wasn't it? it um, uh, yeah, there were many. There were many things that I think. I think lockdowns and and, and COVID have, have taught a lot of people uh, about the the importance of community because everyone was disconnected from each other, and that's a key theme in neighbours. So perhaps that resonates as well. Yeah, and like it was just. I remember just being like, I immediately started singing it, and I know that everyone who watched it knows the song. It's just like, even though the song wouldn't, it like has transformed throughout the years and stuff. But everyone was like, I know every. Every word in that song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a beautiful song, and I would love to have been Tony Hatch and Jackie Trent and written it. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Although I did go see uh, the Neighbours Night that used to be, I don't know if it's, I think the Elephant and Castle has gone now, but I went the Elephant there. Wheelbarrow, yeah. Or Elephant yeah. Wheelbarrow, sorry. Elephant and Castle is a bar in Dublin. <laughs> I went to it, and it was, your band was playing, and uh, who else was there? Uh, Mal, I think the guy who played Mal and the guy who played Benji. Stingray's brother. What was his name again? I've gone blank. Oh, that would have been uh, Damien uh, Bodie, probably. Yeah. He played Stingray's older brother. Yes. Yeah. Damien, wonderful, wonderful bloke. They were very fun nights. And that's another thing that's a bit different about Neighbours, too. The Neighbours cast uh, go out of their way almost to a person, not everybody, but almost to a person, to interact directly with fans, mm. either through social social media or in person. And for a lot of us, I think we've we've always felt it a privilege to be on a show that's so loved. And part of the, that is actually to give it back, you know, to to answer the emails, to answer the letters and to, you know, have great conversations with people and do things like the Neighbours' Night, you know. And, um, and everybody who came to those nights loved doing them. I certainly loved performing with my band there and touring the UK with the band. That was that was probably the best time I'll ever have. Um, so, yes, it, it, it was. That's part of the joy of the show is what happens around it. Yeah, because there's so like you could meet a celebrity and it's very easy for them to take a selfie or to sign something and then move on to the next person. But those nights were really you know going table to table, chatting to the people. How did you watch Neighbours, etc. And then of course when your band started playing, it was it was like Bono was up there. Everybody was up. <laughs> out to who the F is Susan and all this <laughs> yeah it was a party it was a party yeah. and, and one thing you can say about the Irish and the and the Brits is um, you know you do know how to party yeah. so we, ne- we didn't have, we never really struggled to get you going <laughs> yeah you just started playing one chord and we were straight up there and we're like <laughs> yeah yeah well I thought I, I think the Fratelli's Chelsea Dagger generally got the room going oh yeah that usually was like that was like right here we go drinks down I'm up to the dance floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah how do you find people um, like take to your music then when they see you away from neighbours away from acting and like obviously as you said you know you did the, the tour with the rock and roll style and now you're doing country yeah like was it were, did you find it easier to move in because people knew who you were or would you find it harder that people are taking it a bit less serious because you were an actor well, it's been quite really remarkable because obviously the field I'm in, Americana and alt country, it's called. It's not. It's not like 
Nashville country twang music. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not so like an outlaw like Willie Nelson or anything. It's much more uh, the singer-songwriter. You know, it's probably a little bit more like um, a bit more Irish, really, in a way. You know, it's a bit more folk when yeah. I'm doing a lot of it. Um, and uh, uh, so when I performed on tour in, um, in June, July, I did two gigs in London, one at the Bedford in Ballam and one in, in – what, what I had was I had 100 people who would come and see me and sit at tables and li- and really listen to the music, not not jump up and down, not, not go off and get another drink, not have a yarn with their neighbour, mm-hmm. listen to the music. And – and then afterwards, it's just like a lot of people come up to you going, I love that song about your mum or, you know, that song really broke my heart or I love that comedy song you had about bed and how good bed is and all that. So it, I'm loving this because this is, okay, I'm not going to be playing the Royal Albert Hall. Mm. I'm going to be playing the venues I'll do. I'm coming back in March in the UK to do another tour for two weeks after we do this big Neighbours Celebration Tour. And I'm, I'm touring with another Americana band who I know really well. And I just know it's going to be wonderful because we'll be really playing to those you know, 100, 150 people who want to hear that music and love it. It's a, I have to say, Americana country and old country are massive in the UK. I don't know what they're like in Ireland. I suspect oh, it's big. Huge. Like, it is. Yeah. Any sort of country music, Americana. Like, we have a festival here, Country to Country, and it sells out in, like, four seconds. And there's... Irish country there's American there's you know different and it's all kinds like you said it's not just the big you know Garth Brooks let's say it's you know American it's folk and folk music obviously is massive here as well yeah, 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 and and uh, I mean, it's it, uh, Irish folk music is uh, is has had a huge influence on on Australian music, mm-hmm. and of course we have a thriving country music scene here, where the artists who are big in country in Australia are not imitating national country; mm-hmm. they're they're drawing more on the traditions from from uh, the Celtic you know part of the world, uh, storytelling that way about you know the bush and the, the land and the people on it and and so forth so um yeah the, the connection is much much stronger that way than it is anywhere else yeah well because if like you said you wrote songs about your mom they're going to mean a lot more to you and you're going to write them better than if you're writing like you know my truck you know and pretend on your from texas or you know yeah, jump, jump up in my truck yeah i mean i love all the, i do love that rollicking country music bands like you know big and rich and uh, and so forth I, I i i think there's a real wonderful place for it and i have been to Nashville, and I do love that that kind of big uh, country scene. Um, I probably my real love of country probably goes back to more like your know, Tammy Wynette's and George Jones and all that era of the Opry, where. Um, there, there was a, the, the, the in the history of country music. A lot of country music came out of the blues, uh, and it came out of banjo music from the twenties, and and it was very storytelling orientated and so forth. And Hank Williams and and players like that. Um, a lot of this kind of really contemporary country is really kind of pop music uh, in a way. I mean, it's kind of just you know popular country, I suppose would be the yeah. way to put it. Um, and uh, you know, I think I probably I'm more of a Jason Isbell person, I suppose. <laughs> you know, like. Just listen to people creating very interesting songs about life. Yeah, and so you've you your music. I know you have one about your mom and all the women in your life. What other kind of stuff have you touched on in the songs you've written? 
Well, I, I am a, I am quite eclectic. I, I'm, I'm looking at it here. There's um, the first, yeah, one of my songs, Lost and Found, is a song which I actually wrote. Uh, there was a cartoon on the front of my neighbor's folder, uh, and it was a man standing at the Lost and Found counter in a department store, and um, the server is saying to him, uh, can you remember the last time you saw your dignity? And it always tickled my fancy. And so I've written a song, Lost and Found, about losing non-material things, losing things about yourself. Um, I wrote a duet called Sorry is the Word, which is about in relationships how so many relationships would probably have lasted perhaps if people just found the word sorry a bit quicker. I did that as a duet actually with, with a beautiful singer here in Australia. Um, my favourite song, which I've actually named the album after, is called The Point. And I started writing it as a comedy song, which is actually kind of like a, a bit of a dig at religion, mm. and which probably won't go down necessarily as well in Ireland as it would here. Uh, um, no, it would. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, but it, it was kind of like a, a bit of a sort of satirical dig at, uh, at, 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 uh, at uh, religion because I'm a huge fan of John Prine and he's a master of that satirical music. And I thought, no, and I've got great producers too. And we talked about it and I said, yeah, this, this song has no point in it's called The Point and it has no point. Mm. Um, and we, I realised, in fact, what the song really was, was actually it was a love song to my wife um, and it, it, it basically saying she's the point because uh, everyone says, what's the point in life? You know, what is my point in life? And I'm going, well, um, she's the point. Um, I don't need that. I don't need that, you know, because I can get it. I can get it from my partner. Um, so it just turned into a, into a, a poignant song and the producer said, this is the title for the album. This is where it's going. So, uh, But I don't take myself too seriously. I have got a song called How Good Is Bed, and it, it's literally about the fact that my wife and I lie in bed in the morning on a Saturday going, oh, how good is bed? Like, we're just not, not going to get up. Um, I, that's, that could be the theme to my life, so it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people do love the song. Yeah, I, I, I've got quite an eclectic mix. I've got a gorgeous, gorgeous song from out of Liverpool, from a friend in Liverpool, Meet Me on the Steps of the Bombed Out Church, which is kind of really, you know, Celtic folk, I suppose. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different songs, uh, relationship songs, songs about beer. I've got a, uh, I just wrote one the other day about my love of beer, which is <laughs> an absolutely rollicking thing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't take myself too seriously and I dive around amongst the topics. Well, between the bed and the beer, you've got my two themes right there. So that's fine. My theme songs. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, that's lovely that you wrote for your wife um, because like, you know, she obviously has been through it all with you. How have your family coped with the fame that you would have got as, you know, Carl? Like I imagine there's some people, you know, some people take soaps very seriously and they see you with your wife and they're like, that's not Susan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, um, in terms of my, my, my beautiful wife, of course, is great pals with my stage wife Jackie, and uh, and 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 we're all, you know, it's all fine um, from that point of view. So it's 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 just a lot of fun. We love we love to go out together, the three of us, and have coffee. You know, so it just really confuse people. Um, but um, 
Yeah, so it's no, 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 it's fine. But for my kids, my fame on Neighbours was meaningless to them. They did, they never watched the show, um, and they they were born when I was on Neighbours. Uh, it's the only thing they ever really know of me doing, except for the occasional stage play or something. They come and see me in a musical, but they were forced to, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I don't think they ever really considered it to be, you know, of much significance at all. It's just your dad's on the telly, yeah, where that happens. Um, you know, mum's on mum's on the telly as well. She was a, a you know a newsreader for for um, many years, about twenty years on on the, on the telly. So it's just that's what my folk, that's what my parents do. You know, yeah, the um, kids are just like yeah. your eye roll. No matter what well, you do, sure. you're embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Tom Cruise's kids are probably the same. You know, when he comes back from filming Top Gun, they go, "What'd you do, Daddy?" So I flew F eighteen jets and in a movie, they go, "Oh, okay, what's for tea?" You know. I just can't imagine like being a kid growing up and like you're going to I don't know McDonald's or you're going to a restaurant or whatever and everybody's like oh my god then looking at your dad and your mom and you're just like oh they're so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, thing, the thing is, in, in all honesty, too, um, a lot of people would come up and say hi, you know, want to say hi and maybe get an autograph, but certainly a picture. And for me, I, I'm ha- very happy to do it. So for me, the important thing is you just normalise that. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, you know, oh, sure, yeah, come out, come on, jump in, grab a shot. Um, and it's over in a, in a minute or, or so. And so it's basically like, well, that's life, you know. People take, people get photographs of my dad, they like him, you know. That's kind of nice. I think it's quite nice for your kids to think that people like you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And people think you're cool and people want to get pictures with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do cameos as well? I don't know if cameos think over there. Do you do those? Yeah, I do. I do cameos on another platform called Mimos. I I, I, I didn't do them for, so for a long, long time. I've done birthday messages for my subscribers. I have a website subscribers, and I, I would do a free birthday video. And I, I got up to around about seven thousand of these videos, and. Um, I kept getting approaches from Cameo saying, "Would you would you um, do these videos?" And I thought, "Oh, well, I kind of do them for free, you know." But then I so I thought, "Oh, I'll just try it out," and it went berserk. And I just love doing them um, because it's like it's it's actually a big slab of my day, to be honest. Because um, you know, I might have say five to do, and. Each one of them I'll maybe do two or three times to make sure I get everything in the flow. But also I kind of like go off and research things. You know, you, you someone mentions they love a song. Mm-hmm. So you, I quickly go and learn it on the guitar and put it into the cameo. You know, just things like that to make it a fun experience. And the level of interaction as a result sort of like quadruples. Because then people come back with the message going, my God, my, you know, and they'll send you a video of their mum seeing her video for the birthday. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a wheel that goes around and connects people. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. I think they're fabulous. And I think, um, I, I imagine during lockdown that that became a lot more popular, you know, because people can't be with other people and occasions and a wedding got cancelled or whatever. And then it's like, Hey, let's get something special. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of them too. Well, not a lot. Quite a lot of them would come along, and they would be quite poignant. 
you know, people sort of saying, hey, you know, my mum's, um, you know, just received a really bad diagnosis and, you know, can you help cheer her up? And it comes, comes that's a very heavy responsibility. Mm. And uh, you feel it quite keenly. They can be tough to do. Mm. But uh, mercifully, no one's ever sort of come back and said, oh, well, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> she cried, you know. She hated um, that. <laughs> she, she hated that. Yeah, I, I haven't had any of those. But um, it's it, yeah, it, it's really just a thing. You, when I when it, when I started on neighbours, and the whole time I've been on neighbours, for me, every person that I talk to is as important as me and they are an individual with their own story. You know, you, may, you don't ever assume, oh, yeah, you're just another Neighbours fan. No, no, no. Everybody's got their own story and some of them are really fascinating, you know, um, to listen to. So you just take the time and and uh, it makes you enjoy your job more. And everyone, it's the thing we learned, another thing we learned during lockdown is that everybody has something going on that you don't know about. Like, you know, you mentioned at the start that you had alopecia. I didn't know that and, you know, maybe other people didn't know that and it's just like you know that makes you connect with a fan in a different way somebody who's gone through the same journey as you and somebody who's like wow hold on a second like no matter how famous you are or how much money you are or whatever we have something that connects us away from we both love neighbors you know yeah i was interesting you mentioned the alopecia because uh, I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant watching all the hair fall out. It happened quite quickly, actually, to be honest. It was really weird. And um, I was, I, you know, I rushed off to try and get some treatment and it was unsuccessful. So my hair fell out really quite quickly. And uh, people started expressing online, you know, comments that perhaps I was ill. And um, uh, so we, I jumped into, you know, the social media room and just did a video about it very quickly because it was pretty important to quash that notion that I was unwell because I was actually fit as a fiddle. Um, but it was fantastic because that's when suddenly everyone was going, well, my mum's got alopecia, my my cousin's got alopecia, and, and, and you hear about little kids getting horribly bullied at school because their hair's all patchy, mm. and suddenly, you know, the, the school teachers were showing the video to the class going, hey, you know, this is actually quite a normal thing to happen. Uh, so it, it, it kind of, in a way, it was a fortuitous in a way that I had that opportunity. Um, uh, I'm just glad I got my eyebrows back. When you, It's a really trippy thing when you lose your eyebrows. Oh, my God, um, I imagine. You don't, you don't think about them, but then if they're gone, you're just no. like, wait a second. <laughs> I mean, I had no eyelashes as well, so it was a really kind of weird look. And, of course, at the end of Neighbours, that's where I was at. And painting your eyebrows on, and so a lot of uh, people are used to doing it. I'm not. And I wasn't all that steady with my hand, and sometimes one eyebrow would be higher than the other, and, you know, it, it's just tragic. But um, I've got a really good doctor here who's an expert in this field, and he managed to get my eyebrows back. And uh, my eyelashes, I'm, I'm actually, I had, like, every now and again, I see a little trace of one. I go, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get them back, you know. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We'll see. They, could they tell you what, it, you know, what caused it or anything like that, or was it just natural? You don't- they, they really don't know. The one thing they do know, the experts know, is that the common thing is it was, it's stress. It okay. must be stress. Um, but unfortunately, viruses can be a trigger, and I had two viruses just before it started. Well, I had COVID, but prior to that, I had a bad pneumonia. 
and they, they, viruses can trigger it because the immune system goes nuts trying to fight the virus mm. and then continues going nuts thinking your hair's foreign and things like that. Or it's an autoimmune disease and um, or disorder, actually. They don't call it a disease. Um, and there's a lot like them, you know, Crohn's disease and things like that. So we don't know everything about this body that we live in, but uh, slowly, slowly they're, they're, they're working out solutions. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like uh, one thing I always take away from lockdown is, you know, you can feel very sorry for yourself and think everyone's got something brilliant going on. And then suddenly you talk to them and they're like, oh, my God, like you mentioned, I've got Crohn's or, you know, and they look they look like normal you know inverted commas and then they have something like Crohn's or you know whatever happening and you're like oh god I've been complaining about something really stupid oh yeah there's I I reckon there's two lessons in life that you have to learn over and over again because no no one's so virtuous that they learn this stuff and hang on to it and and one of us that uh, is to remember that you know no matter what you how badly you're getting on you know you're not in Ukraine okay so just just get on board that um, and the other one is the one that you mentioned was that everybody's got a story and before you jump to saying how dare you behave like that or how dare you say that maybe just do a little digging to see what might have gone on to prompted that first. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remind yourself to do it though. You know, it's, it's yeah. a natural reaction to judge, but whatever. Sometimes you get a kick up the bum, and someone reminds you, and you're like, "Okay, I need to see." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how bad do you feel? You know, it's it's um uh and it's it's kind of like a it's 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 kind of like a groovy thing to do anyway in a way where you sit back and someone says I hate that person they do this 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 and this and you were able to turn around and go hey, there might be something going on that you don't know about just yeah. maybe think about that and that softens them you know that, that just that notion softens them enough to not feel angry anymore and let's face it the less we feel angry we feel the better we're going to live yeah I just think that like life is so short and we've learned that with the last couple of years I'm like in a way I put myself in debt because I was like I'm going to everything when everything <laughs> yeah. opens back up again <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. Although I have to keep cancelling stuff, it breaks my heart. I, uh, it's, it's, um, there's always something gets in the way, you know. Like, um, so you know, someone gets COVID or whatever, or it's. I booked everything, Nicola. I booked next year. I'm booked to see Elvis Costello because I have to see Elvis Costello. I'm booked to see Jason Isbell. I'm booked for all these other shows, and then I picked up a tour in the UK doing music, and I can't go to any of them. (laughs) And and I'm going, what am I going to do with these tickets? You know, it's like crazy. And you've got like so you've got the neighbours farewell tour, which is hilarious now because you're like farewell, but we're also coming back. <laughs> That's yeah, they've, re- they've renamed it. Oh, they've renamed it's, it, have they? It's now the celebration. Yeah, I do that tour for I think three weeks, and then immediately go out on the road and do two weeks of music. Uh, and then I come back and somewhere after I come back and I'm, I still don't even know when uh, I will do some neighbours and then I'm going out again in I th- in June it hasn't we haven't announced it yet but it's it's only days away to do more Dr Carl shows uh, in the UK and then back to back for more neighbours and then I hope to be in Nashville next September for Americana Fest uh, which is you know, something I've, I've wanted to do for many many years so um, yeah I'll be jumping around the place and doing stuff and uh, um, it, it's certainly getting back to the UK a lot and uh, I'm really looking forward to flying into Dublin uh, if anyone's listening to this podcast in Dublin and they'd like me to come and sit on a bar stool around yes. end of September 
just you know, get on get on to me through my website. I am going to tell every bar owner I know. I literally am going to be like, <laughs> listen, do you know what you need? Because like I know the celebration tour is coming to Belfast, um, and there's going to be fans obviously from from the south that'll go up to that. But I'm like. You know, we need to get you in Dublin. We do. We need to have that yeah. celebration, that crack, the music. And like, you know, that's what all Ireland is about, is about singing and telling stories. So I am going to, you're going to get a request in the next few weeks from about four different bars that I'm going to be talking to. <laughs> well, I'll be more than happy to do it. And uh, I, I think, I believe a friend actually, uh, a wonderful country muso in, uh, in the Irish country muso, uh, Gary Quinn, just picked up a British Country Music Award for Best Male Vocalist. He's a wonderful singer. I did a gig with him in London, and he's uh, he's organising a gig for me in Belfast. But, uh, yeah, just be nice to just get into Temple Bar there. And oh, Actually, it doesn't have to be Temple Bar. That's a bit touristy, isn't it? No, <laughs> I, I, anywhere in Dublin, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll find you a nice country Dublin pub where it's going to be full of locals, So they'll and they'll just... <laughs> sing along with you and you might you might have to have about 20 pints because everyone will want to buy you a drink they'll literally be like I've watched you for 30 years here's a drink <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll donate them I'll yeah it's going to be very exciting and very exciting indeed and uh it's kind of it's just the weirdest thing and, and every time my wife and I planned to go to, to, to Dublin it, something got in the way mm-hmm. um, it, it was nuts and, and uh, you know I, I, I'm finally getting there so my, at my I age it's crazy I know yeah. after, especially after yourself and Jackie got that episode, the, you know, the episodes that were meant to be filmed here cancelled <laughs> It was going to be magnificent. We were going to have the best time. Of course, Jackie comes from Carrick, Fergus, um, and just outside of uh, Belfast. And I think on that same tour, we were supposedly, I think she was going to maybe presented with the keys in the city or something similar. Um, and that, that fell over as well. But since we're going to be in Belfast, you know, I'm sure we'll be investigating the possibility of going up to Carrick, Fergus. Yes, do. And have, oh, God, it'll be great all time. You'll be very famous around there because they'll be like, that's Jackie's on screen husband. <laughs> No, they'll sit there and say, oh, this Jackie Woodburn, bless her. Who's that other bloke? Um, we're not interested in him. Or they'd be like, all the things you did to our Jackie's down the air, all the affairs. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I'll be lynched. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you, I'm going to get on to people and make sure we can get you that gig in Dublin. It's going to happen. I'm going to make sure of it. <laughs> Good on you, Nick. That's brilliant. It's so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's my great pleasure. It's been a lovely chat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Drew. Oh, have a great evening. Good on you. Take care. Bye. 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 That, of course, was Alan Fletcher, a.k.a. Dr. Carl Kennedy. And it was so lovely to chat to him and get to like hear his side of the story and what it's like for like his wife, what it's like for his kids. I think it's hilarious that his wife and him go out, you know, f- uh, for coffees and stuff with Susan, because that if I saw that in a cafe beside me, I'd probably have a heart attack. You did hear him say how he has been dying to come to Dublin for so, so long. So if you do know somebody who owns a bar who runs a bar who's who's got a spare night while he's over here in February send either me a message on Instagram or send him a message via his website because he's dying to play some songs here and then let me know where it is because obviously everyone I know will want to go he of course was talking about you know his new music there so he's got a single out now at the moment called Hey You and it's coming from his album which is called The Point that is out in February so that is class and then of course you heard us talking about the neighbours what was meant to be the farewell tour and now is the celebration tour so some of the faces that are going to be there obviously will be um, 
Alan and Jackie Steph and Dennis will be there who is Paul um, Ryan Maloney which is Toady Annie Jones which is Jane Harris and April Rose Pingilly who is Chloe Brennan they are going to be there talking about their you know iconic moments all the different things that they've loved over the, over the years and you can guarantee now that they're actually got the good news that neighbours come back they're going to have some great stories now it's not coming to Dublin it is going to Belfast it starts in Belfast so that is of course why um, Alan will be over here so it starts in Belfast on the 1st of March there are limited tickets left very limited um, they're going to go to Manchester uh, from what I can see a couple of times Manchester and London are sold out Birmingham sold out Southampton at the moment Nottingham has um, a couple of tickets left so has Glasgow and Edinburgh and Newcastle um, and Belfast obviously and then they are going to be if you're listening to this in Melbourne they're going to be in Melbourne in April so you know you could go along see them I don't know if they're still doing the set tours well when they start up again but if you can't get to the show in the art centre in Melbourne the set tour is class and I'm hoping they bring back the neighbours nights because they were great crack um, so yeah so great, loads of opportunities to see them there but yeah definitely go download his music because obviously that is what he's super passionate about oh I forgot to say as well he will be he mentioned earlier his uh, t- he's touring with his own album so that's going to be in the UK from March 25th until April 9th so after the neighbours uh, celebration tour wraps up he is doing some gigs all around the UK so just going to point some of them out here um, in case you are interested so uh, Newcastle is on the 31st of March um, that's in Clooney 2 um, in Edinburgh on the 5th of April that's in Bannermans uh, Glasgow is in Oran Moor and that's on the 6th of April I'm just looking where else London the Bedford that's 28th of March um, Settle in North Yorkshire that's going to be in Settle Victoria Hall and that's the 3rd of March but if you head on to his website which is alanfletcher.net you'll get to see where all the dates are links to his music links to the neighbours um, events and stuff as well so listen and of course as he mentioned there he is on Cameo so if you fancy getting someone a video personalised video from Dr. Carl Gendy why has no one got me one yet I'm literally like come on guys seriously not one person has even thought of getting me one but anyway um, if you feel like getting one for your pals he's on Cameo there and he'll do up a professional and personalised video so you can make someone's day their wedding their anniversary their divorce party who knows whatever it is their Tuesday just you know that's all there for you alright that is enough of me waffling on I know you only tuned in to listen to Alan talk about his life there I'm going to let you go as always I'm thank you so much for you all that you are here listening to this little Irish podcast it means so so much to me and to everyone who in the last couple of weeks has rated reviewed or subscribed or sent me a message about any episodes that has been so sound of you and thank you so so much as always here every Saturday with new episodes or if it's your first time scroll back and see if there's anyone there that might you know tickle your fancy and listen to now that you're out and about and cleaning or walking or whatever it is you're on the beat and you're going and there's no point stopping out you're drawing another episode okay I love you Slanga Fall talk to you soon